The Athletic. And the idea of Jay-Z being in charge of Spurs, it means Beyonce would be on the board, which is just fantastic. And I she hope knows the club. <laughs> she knows the club. Oh, okay. Yeah, she does. Absolutely. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The View from the Lane, the award-winning, whether you like it or not, Tottenham Hotspur podcast from The Athletic. Uh, joining me, your host, Danny Kelly, are The Athletic's uh, James Moore and Charlie Eccleshare. I should say, as I say, really welcome back. We'll be back twice a week, free of charge, for the rest of the season after our long summer hiatus. On this first episode of the new season, we'll be discussing the latest on Harry Kane's future. Tick, tick, tick. And could an iconic rapper from Brooklyn be the next owner of Spurs? Um, but first, there's really only one place to start, the situation with Joe Lewis. And in case you... Uh, listen, we'll do the situation from Joe Lewis later. That's what I've been asked to do. But you know, let's just tear up the... Uh, let's just tear up the actual running order because well, here we are, two weeks away from the start of the season. And, you know, I'm naturally a very optimistic person. The glass is half full and all the rest of it. Um... I don't think I've ever been more miserable at the start of a run-in to a new season than I am with this one. Um, I'll, I'll come in off my long run-up in a second. I just wanted, I'll start with you, James, with your, with your Spurs heart and your blue blood. How are you feeling about the way things have gone this summer? We'll get on to Joe Lewis later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think I said on our kind of summer special emergency podcast uh, during the tour, when was that last week, week before? Yeah, 10 days uh, ago. That yeah. I was feeling kind of relatively sanguine about the whole thing. Uh, and that was the Kane situation specifically. But since then, in in those ten days since then, it really has, I think, swung completely the other way. And I'm now ninety percent certain that he's going to leave in this window, which I kind of assume, Danny, is roughly where you are now. Yeah, I mean, I, I won't argue over percentages, but yes, I am. I was saying to you both in our in our WhatsApp group uh, back end of last week. I'm now at the stage where. I'm working out how they should spend the money. And I couldn't work out whether that was uh, bargaining or acceptance in the kind of seven stages of post-Hurricane Grief, yeah. Spurs. Like, yeah, Grief, I think yeah. that's acceptance. Acceptance. We need we need Wolfsburg to acceptance. The, uh, not, uh, well. I think bargaining would be more, come on, Harry, just one more game. Even just just, just stay for the Shakhtar <laughs> game. And, and that will make things, you know, let's just <laughs> have one difference. more dance together. I mean, yes, uh, I, I, I take all that. I... I, you know, when they, when they appointed Postacoglu, I thought, here's somebody who at least is trustworthy and seems like a good bloke and an avuncular arm around the club, tick. Then they bought James Madison, who is a footballer who provides stuff that absolutely Spurs have needed for three years now. And they managed to sell Harry Winks without humiliating the guy, um, which I thought was a very important thing, an important player for the club for years and years and years. And they didn't just throw him out the door or say you have to go on loan uh, to Nottingham Pork Butchers or whoever was in for him. And that made me feel pretty good. Um, we were told there were going to be centre-backs incoming. That would clearly solve another problem. And we were told that Harry Kane is not for sale at any price. We were told that. It is not, it is not something that we made up. We, it, was, it was let out by the club. Since then, Harry Kane is apparently for sale. Um, and the answer to your question, James, very quickly is you can't spend the money. You can't spend the money in any adequate way to replace him. Um, the the centre-half situation is just driving me mad. 
how many more times, and this is this is all forcing me down the road of the more manic Daniel Levy discussers, shall we use them that way? Charlie, you know, they haven't bought the, the centre-halves they need. The season is now literally upon us. They can't get a, a teenager from Blackburn across the line because of arguing over money they found down the back of the sofa. They can't get Clement Langley, who, I understand it, Barcelona, not only would they bring him directly to the lane, they would build their own craft, a spaceship to bring him to Spurs quicker than he's currently available. Never mind buying the actual quality of centre-halves that the manager is going to need. Um, and while we're on about that, and we'll come back to it later on, another, you know, why don't they just come round my house? I'll bend over the couch and they can just kick me up the arse as much as they want. The day after, the day after Sassuolo, a much smaller club than Spurs, refused to sell their centre-half Rogerio to Spartak Moscow because at the moment it seems intolerable to be doing business with Russian entities. I mean, they are involved in an illegal war and a whole European population not that far away from us. The day after, they said, oh, we can't get Rogerio. And they replaced their bid for Rogerio with a bid for Davison Sanchez, which was immediately accepted by Spurs. It's been a horrible summer. And it's dispiriting. And unless they turn this thing around, um, I, 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 I'm, I'm just not happy at all. And finally, and finally, Charlie, you can help me with this. After all the talk about he's not for sale at any money, I think it's today, the actual day that the Bayern Munich people are going to come, throw a few more crumbs in the general direction of Spurs, and they will sell their irreplaceable centre forward and spend the next four or five years um, regretting it and working out like at right full back. Oh, he's gone. What are we going to do now? He's gone. It's been a mess. It's a mess. Charlie, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me it's all going to be perfect. <laughs> no, Great it's, result it's against, been... uh, what were they called? Something Sailors. Lion, Lion, Lion City, City Sailors. Sailors, yeah. I turned Turn off when they went one down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that did have sort of San Marino England <laughs> vibes when they went down. Yeah, I mean... The whole thing, the whole couple of weeks since we last spoke. I mean, even that game in Bangkok getting rained off. Um, the Bayern Munich prankster, the uh, the journalist in the press conference. I thought that might be you about. when I first read it. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's not been great. I mean, the the centre back thing. I I was just talking about with James. I wrote a piece reporting on how things weren't really moving with Van der Ven and Tapsober and and scheduled it for when I was up in the air on the way back from Singapore and then landed to, yeah, this sort of, <laughs> I don't know, it felt like chucking a match in on some on some petrol. And obviously people were not happy about that. And I'm not surprised because that was, that's been such an obvious area. And Postacoglu said it publicly twice that he, you know, that's what he wants, it's what he needs. He's been very open about it as he should be. He's just being honest, saying that's the area they want to strengthen. Hasn't happened. And yeah, we're less than two weeks out from the season. There is no positive spin to put on it. The only thing I would say is that some, you know, we do, there are times where we over-index uh, transfer windows one way or the other. And like last season, apart from James, most people thought it had been a pretty good window. And obviously it turned out to be Average. A pretty bad one or yeah. a pretty average one anyway. Yeah. So, And there is still a month left to go. So that's all I would say. I know that will get shouted down, but... It's Charlie, you're, you're, you're over-indexing it by saying there's a month to go. It's not the end of the transfer window. It's important as the start of the season. Yeah, 
Yeah, that is true, but it, but it's not a guarantee it will be a catastrophic start to the season. It might be. No, no, no it's not guaranteed. It might be. <laughs> I, I think it's inexcusable to have not signed uh, our left side of centre-back by now. And I don't just mean in the last, whatever it is, five, six weeks of, of, of this summer. I mean, since, uh, you know, Jan Vertonghen left the club in the summer of 2020, and I mean, I tweeted this the other day. Obviously, he was, a few people disagree with this, but he was broadly speaking on the wane for two years before before that. As someone pointed out, he had the issue with the concussion in the Ajax game, which caused him problems in the following season. But it was obviously they, they were going to come to a point where they were going to have to replace him. And yes, they took Longley on loan last season, but given that was a loan without an option or obligation to buy, it's probably safe to assume at that point they weren't certain that was a long-term solution. And sure enough, they haven't come back with a permanent deal yet. Maybe that will happen in the next month, but it hasn't happened yet, which would, again, if they do end up signing, it probably does tell a story, doesn't it? That they've gone around the houses and end up coming back to him. I don't think anyone would say he was a massive success last season either. So if he is the guy who ends up playing there, then not a great look in my Though, opinion. Though to be fair to him, he's a terrible defensive team, wasn't he? You know, so. sure, sure, yeah. But he would end up, he would be playing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know that's not just about personnel, but he would basically be playing with all of the same players if he did stay. Or come back, I should say. Um, yeah, but it's, like I say, it's not just about not signing one in this window. It's having not signed one in a previous window, or the one before that, or the one before that. And, you know, you mentioned Kyle Walker there. Um, we're still in a situation where we're not 100% sure they've actually adequately replaced him, and he left six years ago. And we and we have spent more than twice what we got for him on right-backs to see if we can yeah, replace him. And it, has, and it hasn't ever worked. And, you know, look, I mean, that is that is the way the game goes. And in the moment, not many people thought selling Kyle Walker for £15 million was a mistake. Maybe by the end of that summer, it changed when Neymar went for 200 or whatever it was, and then suddenly transfer fees felt entirely different. So maybe it did change then. But the, the Kane situation, uh, the centre-back situation, uh, kind of are all tied back to the same thing for me, which is this is now five years of most of the big decisions the club have made <laughs> being wrong or being eventually proven to be incorrect. M- m- mistakes have been made. When I think in the five years before that, they got most of or all of the big decisions right. And some of that comes back to haunt you, doesn't it? Think about this, and I have been thinking about this, Charlie, that Spurs put together, and I've been watching Spurs longer than, than, than your good selves, but I, the Spurs put together um, in, in the Walker, Vertonghen, Alderweireld, Rose, um, Hugo Lloris, their best defence the club has ever had for pittance. Walker cost single figures of millions the goal kit was 11 million, 11 and 13 for the centre-backs. Danny Rose cost 1 million of your English pounds. Now, Spurs had a great coach then, and they did very well with all that. And they also had a bit of luck. You don't That doesn't happen twice in one owner's lifetime. You put together a great defence, you know, I included defensive midfielders in that as well, for under 50 million quid. One good centre-half these days costs 50 million quid, but it's as though... Whoever's advising Daniel Levy or Daniel Levy himself, they think that was a great trick. We can do that again. We'll get Ashley Phillips for two grand, two grand, never mind two million. We'll get Langley in on loan, and it'll all work again. It won't work again. I kind of think you can you can make your own luck though. If you if you kind of sign enough players, and if they'd been continually signing young players in most positions, like every other window, every other year between then and now, 
they probably would have stumbled on a, stumbled upon a few solutions in a few different positions that would have worked out incredibly well. And we're not going to talk about Jack Grealish or whoever else again, or signing James Madison for ten percent of the money six years ago. But you know, if, if they'd been a bit more clever with some of their transfer dealings, uh, they would have they would have found themselves probably in a better position. And look, and it's easy to say that after the event because at the time we probably would have been saying, "You're in the Champions League now; you should be going out and spending." big money on elite players. But actually, to be honest, they barely did that either. They kind of constantly seem to be stuck in between, you know, picking up players that are being let go, you know, like Aurier, not to single him out, but someone who's being bombed out by PSG, similar with Lucas Moura, uh, uh, you know, uh, Emerson Royal, not being bombed out by Barcelona, but, you know, it was question marks over where he was going to get in their team having been out on loan. You know, Lo Celso, again, PSG. You know, it's, those are the kind of players they ended up picking up for the most part in that era. And now we're kind of back on the other side of the coin and it feels like actually if they'd been more, if, if they'd trusted that policy that took them to the top more in the intervening years, it's hard to imagine they would have been in a worse position. And for the first time in the new season or the new season's podcast, I shall make the direct comparison with the other end of the Seven Sisters Road where is Declan Rice going to improve Arsenal's team? Yes, he is. Is Durian Timber going to be a success in the Premier League? I think it's almost certain. Um, is Kai Havertz um, an upgrade on what they've got? Yes, he is. Um, it's not impossible. It's not rocket science, this. Get, get the good players in and don't make it an absolutely purgatorial drama getting to the football club and getting other players out of the club. The other one that's interesting at Arsenal is them going out and signing, uh, and you know, our colleague at the Athletic, David Ornstein, reported this yesterday, might not happen yet, but we think it probably will. David Raya going to Arsenal. And I don't think many people would have thought the position they need to strengthen is in goal, because obviously Ramsdale, uh, uh, to a kind of, to someone who didn't watch Arsenal particularly regularly last season, uh, did has done very well in the last few years. I don't think they were crying out for any goalkeeper, but they've gone out and spent money or they will go out and spend money on like a marginal upgrade that will improve their team I guess, I guess you know he's better his feet playing out from the back finally get there domestic domestic circumstances force me to watch uh, many Arsenal games um, he looked like Ramsdale looked like the best English goalkeeper in the league last year to me and they're upgrading on that dropped off a bit towards the end but the point is look, look we've talked so much in the last six way beyond this podcast six seven years since Pochettino started talking about the painful rebuild and, you know, Hugo Lloris, I mean, he's still at the club as we sit recording this now. Uh, you know, we've mentioned Vertonghen and Alderweireld there. Obviously, both brilliant players for Spurs, but you could argue they were allowed to drop off a bit towards the end. You know, Ericsson, they let to get towards the end of his contract. Kane, obviously, we've seen a situation now where they're basically forced into selling him or they feel they're forced into selling him because he's towards the end of his contract. They want to sell him. They're not forced to do anything. They want to sell No, that's true. But they obviously feel they have to do that because he's near the end of his contract. If he had another five years on his contract, they wouldn't be selling him for 80, 90 million pounds, would they? Be twice Peanuts. Then. Yeah. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charlie, you're listening to Spurs fans doing their nuts here and you're staring at us. Are you staring at us because you agree with every word or do you think, come on, guys, cheer, cheer them? Mother up. No, I, I don't think there's too much to disagree with. The only thing, I am always just a bit wet when... I think transfer windows do, they are kind of like frazzling experiences. Like they, they can drive you mad, but that, the hard thing with it is, is that it, it could be a situation that in three weeks time we're talking and saying like, you know what, I'm actually quite excited about the Spurs team because they've signed X, Y, Z. Like I, I don't think, if you look at the last few Spurs 
summer transfer windows, they've bought in quite a lot of players. And we can talk about, and we have talked about whether those were the right players or not. But, you, you know, talk about strengthening a position of strength. Well, this time last year, we were saying, God, Spurs gone out and spent 60 million on Richarlison when they've got the best you were, front you three were saying that. in the, you in were the saying Premier League. That. I wasn't saying that. The general sentiment was, that's a very unspurs thing to do. They've strengthened a position of strength. So I don't think it's totally, you, you know, so with the comparison you were making there with Ramsdale and, Re- and Rea, I don't think it's totally unheard of that Spurs have done it. It's unusual, but it's unusual for both clubs. And I just feel at this point, it is July 31st. Like, yes, a lot of clubs have been a lot better, a lot quicker this summer. Spurs, to be fair as well, they brought in Madison, they brought in Vicario, they sorted out two important positions that they needed to. They did those quickly. Yes, this centre-back search is ongoing and it's a massive frustration these deals aren't always that easy to do and and you're absolutely right James about that left-sided centre-back that's been going on for what feels like forever but they are quite scarce I, I no 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 can I can I take option you, you said that a couple of times and if you look at the number that have moved and I'm fair enough like playing the system that Postacoglu wants to play you need someone quick and not all of these are quick but Pau Torres has gone to Villa is Evan and Dick not the sure guy? how good he is well, he's not that quick, I don't think, is he? Evan, Evan yeah. I, I'm, again, I'm not saying all of these are suitable. These are all a left side or a left footed centre back, so have moved in this window. Uh, Evan and Decker, the guy who is at Frankfurt, has gone to, I think, Roma. But the point is, there have been quite a few moving around in this window. And there's this little circle involving, I'm not suggesting Spurs should have signed Salasu, but he's a decent centre back. And I think a year ago, people would have been saying someone like Spurs should sign him. He's going to go, I think, to Monaco. Bassi is going from Ajax to Fulham. I'm not saying you should just sign someone just for the sake of it, but I don't think there are no players. You're right to say you can't sign someone just for the sake of it, but equally you can't just sit there drumming your fingers on the edge of the table and not sign someone. Yeah, because, I mean, look, they're not going to suddenly, like, conjure up some left-sided centre-back from nowhere now. Like, the person they end up signing, if anyone, in this window, they're going to have already known about before. It'll be Claremont Longley. It's not just going to be someone who comes out of nowhere that they sign now. I mean, that would be a terrible sign if that does happen, if, if they end up signing they hadn't heard of. Can I, can I read you a thing? A couple of people have tweeted me this. Um, this is from Daniel Levy's end of season statement, which I think was in the programme for the Brentford game, the last home game of last season. We shall spend the period ahead of next season working relentlessly to position our club for on-pitch success and football you will love to come and watch. Every element of the club's operations is geared towards delivering that. Yeah, what have they actually spent the time relentlessly doing? Half negotiating with Bayern Munich to weaken the team. Um, and not so far signing the centre-halves that the manager needs. And I'll get on to the manager's part in all this in a second as well, because um, uh, when we get round to when the you know Charlie has actually got the uh, flight schedule um, of the Bayern Munich officials who are on their way as we're making this podcast, so it may be redundant by the time you hear it, and uh, and you know, Harry Kane. Well, they may actually be. They may actually just be in the sort of pret a manger equivalent as mm-hmm. we speak. Yeah, they may they may not have taken off. They're sort of they'll be. Uh, Checking their phones and having a bit of breakfast. But, I bet yeah, you know the German for ready to eat, don't you? I bet you do. I bet you do. <laughs> I don't. I'd, I'd love to. What's the German for Tyrak? <laughs> <laughs> where do you where do you buy a tie these days? I, mean, I don't need one, but just, where would you go about buying a, a, a tie these days? I don't see any Tyrex anymore. TM Lewin. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Does TM Lewin yeah. do ties. Th- yeah, quite possibly. Listen, um, let's get – so I think we've, we've established a certain level of disgruntlement, even among the most buoyant of Spurs fans, which I sometimes imagine myself to be. 
Um, as if all of that um, wasn't bad enough, then comes the news that a person traditionally associated with the ownership of Tottenham has been arrested by the authorities in New York and charged with a whole series of serious crimes in the financial markets. Um, I'll just read it exactly. Uh, Joe Lewis, who founded Enic, the company which owns the vast majority of shares in Tottenham Hotspur, has pleaded not guilty after being indicted on 19 counts of insider trading. Lewis has been accused of orchestrating a brazen insider trading scheme that involved passing information to romantic partners and his private pilots. The 86-year-old is now on bail, set at $300 million, and will have a trial where the defence and prosecution will serve their evidence. Um, my own research shows that the bail is among the top 12 all-time ever given to an individual. Charlie, you're the level-headed one, and this is the part you're playing, at least in this podcast. Um, tell us what's happening here. With this, I, I think it was one of the most extraordinary... I mean, I woke up, because of the time difference, I woke up in Singapore... Uh, Your life, man. And yeah, <laughs> life comes at you fast. <laughs> what am I doing here? <laughs> What's happening now? How did I end up? How did I end up in Singapore? That's just the kind of sex, drugs, and rock and roll lifestyle. <laughs> I made. And my, you sort of get a sense when you wake up that something's happened. You know, obviously, my phone was just so many notifications. I was like, oh god, this is like something's happened with Kane. This must be the Kane day where you know dams burst. I was not expecting that. Um, and it's pretty extraordinary. I mean, we did a big kind of explanatory piece on what happened and some of the charges and the level of anger from the prosecutors. I mean, it's very different from you know, the prestige system. He put out, um, the district attorney, I think it was, put out a video on Twitter sort of like <laughs> laying down. In front, in front of his on. terrible book collection. Come on, guy, get some poetry. Yeah, yeah. Get some uh, get some Spurs literature there. The, the <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, so now we're kind of waiting. I mean, yeah, he's he's defending himself, and his. I mean, Lewis's lawyer came out pretty quickly with a quite confrontational statement, saying he yeah denied all the charges. He's a man of utmost integrity, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, so now we await. Uh, it you know it's with the courts, it's with the legal system, and, and we'll have to see what happens. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, you you can get bogged down in. Yeah, he's he is no longer the owner of Tottenham. I mean, he stepped down. I think it was last October. Yes, uh, he is no longer Spurs' owner. Let me read you the exact statement from the club. The owner of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club is Enoch, with majority control held by a family discretionary trust of which Mr. Joseph Lewis is not a beneficiary. The trust is managed by two independent professional trustees on behalf of its beneficiaries. Mr. Lewis ceased to be a person with significant control of the club in October 2022. This is a US legal matter unconnected with the club and as such um, have no comment. What's very strange about all of this is that when, when in October Joe Lewis did cease to be a person of sig significant control, the message at the time was very much, you know, business as usual, it's not going to, you know, things aren't going to change in any material way. And you can see that in how it was reported at the time. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's a very, very messy situation. So, you know, look, he, he is going into the legal system. He has gone to America and surrendered himself. He's not allowed to move around the world on his yachts and all the rest of it. Super yacht. Sorry, I've just been corrected. It's a super yacht. Um, what's interesting to me and fun, I think, 
has been the idea that the people who have got significant control of the club might decide it's time to move on, cash in their billions of chips and move on. Come to the front then. Uh, my favourite story ever about Spurs, and that's saying something. Um, you all know that I'm obsessed with uh, uh, rap music. Um, Jay-Z has come straight out with it and said, I'd love to buy Spurs, me. Come on, the Spurs. I absolutely want to buy Tottenham Hotspurs. And the idea of Jay-Z being in charge of Spurs, it means Beyonce would be on the board, which is just fantastic. And I she hope knows the club. I, she knows the club. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, she does. Absolutely. And they would play. It really they has would come play full circle, crazy hasn't it? Every time they come running out onto the pitch, and he might appoint some of the newer sort of gritty rappers that I like. Westside Gun could be on. Benny the Butcher could be on the board at Spurs. Bring this on, because honestly, I don't think I could be happier. I don't think I could be happier. Kendrick Lamar, in, director of football, go, going around skiting players. There is a photo of Kendrick Lamar wearing a Spurs shirt, right? Is it? <laughs> uh, on the internet, I believe that exists. Is it real, though? Is it artificial intelligence? I think it, I think it is real. I think It's pre-AI, I believe. Uh-huh. Well, probably not, but you know what I mean. What's, what's the song, James? There's the Tottenham supporting rapper who... There's the song that used to be played at half-time. Uh, AJ Tracy, AJ Tracy. AJ Tracy. And I can it, yeah. even, um, because of the marketing possibilities, Hip Hop Hotspur. Is that a brilliant name for the club? <laughs> I think it might be. I think we're going... That sounds like the name of a dreadful podcast. <laughs> Hang on, let me, just, let me just write it down then as an escape. Let me just check. On, let me just check on iTunes to see if I've started beef with someone there. I mean, Danny, I think I do think it's interesting because obviously we, we've reported on what's happened, but I do think it's interesting, and I think this was in the running order. How do you two feel about? I mean, when you saw that, were you angry? Were you embarrassed? What was your reaction as a Spurs fan? I would say it hasn't changed how I feel about Joe Lewis. You mean you still love him, James, oh, despite yeah. this? I, I love him the exact amount I loved him a month ago. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, to me, it just it was it was icing on a pretty depressing week of cake that Spurs have been feeding me. Um, look, I, I'm waiting for the. I, I'm a great believer in legal systems um, and juries and judges. Uh, get it. They see the evidence, we don't, and I think it'll probably be. I mean, it may even be years um, before. Uh, any, anything comes out of this but uh, and of course the, the speech that the fellow made was very dramatic about romantic partners and all the rest of it but that's part of the American legal system is that there's an element of theatre of it that we don't really have um, in these islands look look Danny it could be worse the last time Joe Lewis signed off a massive amount of bail money we ended up with Soldado and Paulinho so boom <laughs> absolutely boom. Could be and I'll do my, I'll repeat my Twitter joke for those who are not on um, X as it's now called he anyway, Joe Lewis knew he'd have to spend tons of money this summer on his defence, and he is actually having to do that. Charlie, before we, just before we move away from the summer so far and onto other things, um, have you got just you don't even have to tell us because you're you know you, you've got your sources. Is there any transfer activity incoming that's going to make us feel better about all this, myself and James, that you know about? Well, the, hmm, the last <laughs> I did I did fit the last. <laughs> The last story in this I reported was when it got Thursday and it was just like, that was on the centre-backs and each, it was just like bad news after bad news. I actually felt like quite bad sort of putting it out and then there'd be more stuff and then I'd be like, oh, James, actually, can you just add in this line about tap sober or whatever it is? That's also going to be really hard to do. Um, so, I, well, I should, I was, I was off after the tour for the back end of last week. So maybe in my absence, there was, you know, since that last report, 
it's all accelerated and there'll be two more centre-backs, but not as far as I'm aware, I'm afraid. Welcome back. You're listening to The View from the Lane with me, Danny Kelly, Charlie Eccleshare and James Moore. I just want to remind you, of course, um, that we these days we've got a in the early stages of building uh, a Twitter presence. It's called X now, but who is ever going to call it that? Um, there are over 3,000 of you now following us on the Twitter page at VFTL Podcast. At VFTL Podcast. Follow us and send us your musings and questions. Um, one of those came to us from Andy Dixon who said that um, will the Ange regime herald a move away from niche indie tunes? Elaine, we were, you know, we were discussing what these days gets disparagingly called indie landfill that's been blasted out um, at the home ground. If so, what tunes will suit Ange Ball? Have you thought about this, James? I can't remember if I mentioned this on our, on our kind of Ange unveiling podcast, but I mentioned to Charlie at the time. When it was announced and I was kind of feeling less confident about it. I did genuinely listen to Men at Work on the way home. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't, is that sort of probably like culturally offensive to do that when you, when you might thinking about an Australian person? I don't think so, no. I, I think that, I I think mean, that kind of... Bad. You're allowed association. That's not appropriation. That's association, isn't it? That's different. From Melbourne as well. Formed in Melbourne anyway. Okay. But maybe it's fine. Uh, yeah, I do think there's going to end up being some like... I, I mean, I know this isn't the question, but I do think there will be some... If it goes well, there'll be some chant about the, to, to the tune of something like that, right? He does. He does. I mean, we don't, I mean, you may know already, Charlie, if it, what his cultural hinterland is like. Postacoglu strikes me as someone who likes four-four rock and roll. Um, you know, proper music, adult-oriented music. It'd be my guess, and I'd love to be wrong and find that he's just mad for Berlin and Detroit techno. I mean, I was thinking on on that theme of combining the sort of indie landfill with Australia. The band Jets came to my mm-hmm. head. That um, they were very much of that era, and they were also Melbourne. So uh, that to me felt like a good. Where are Crowded House from? New Zealand. New Zealand. Yeah. Okay. But that kind of feels like the sort of era and uh, the sort of vibe. I can see that. But if they're from if they're from New Zealand, he could have been. If if it if it was indie music, he's very lucky lad. If he was, he's Australian and into indie music because of course. Arguably, the the greatest indie group of the eighties and nineties, other than the Smiths, um, are Australian. The Go Betweens, and I wonder if he's a massive Go Betweens fan. I did also yesterday afternoon have two amazing musical experiences watching the All Ireland Gaelic football final. First of all, eighty two thousand people in Croke Park sang "Nothing Compared to You" a cappella um, as a tribute to Sinead O'Connor. And if it's on YouTube, I I defy you to watch and listen to it without something liquid running down your face. It was astonishing. At the end of the game, Dublin, who are the Bayern Munich of Gaelic football, um, but haven't won for the last two years, but one or two of their old players came out of retirement and they beat Kerry, the current holders, in the final. And at the end, they played the boys are back in town. And that, that would suit me fine. That would suit me fine at Spurs. If Spurs played some decent football um, and went at people on the front foot, Won a few games, 3-2 and 4-2. I'd be very happy to go back to 1976 and play Thin Lizzy's The Boys Are Back in Town. Thank you for your question, Andy. Oh, the double guitars. Oh, just too good. Can I just say, when when they were winning a lot of games 3-2 and 4-2 last season and we were moaning about it. Yeah, you were moaning about it. You were... You, 
you were definitely moaning about it. No way. You're, that's a mismemory. <laughs> Mr. Pro Conte. Uh, yeah, uh, that's right. I was bang up for the Antonio. You're absolutely right. Um, okay. All of this has been great fun and enlightening, I hope, for both ourselves and our listeners. But now let me introduce you. If we were in an aircraft hangar, the elephant would still be filling that giant room. Um, as we speak, um, Charlie has informed us because he's got a tracker on one of the two um, German officials of Bayern Munich that are on their way to Spurs. They've now left the press and manger um, and are shuffling in their rucksacks to find their passport. I hope they've forgotten them um, because I don't think they should be coming here at all. I don't know what this is all about. Apparently, there's a meeting to discuss Harry, he's not for sale, Kane, and his imminent sale um, to Bayern. We're going to tap him up relentlessly all summer, Munich. Bring us the latest, uh, Charlie. Well, the, we are recording before the meeting happens, so we we always knew that was that was a bit so of a you risk. So you stand to you stand to have another Singapore moment very very soon, don't you? Yeah, I mean, James and I were talking about this this morning as to whether it's the decisive meeting is today. It could be, or it's more of a okay, we're moving closer, but we need to have a follow up meeting and. Um, you know, a, a compromise can't fully be reached. It still comes down to whether they're buying or willing to go high enough. It's looking increasingly more likely that that will happen. Because my reservation with all of this was always, but are they, ultimately it comes down to if they can pay an amount that's deemed acceptable. And it looks like they're more determined to do that. I was going to say, can I throw a spanner in the works? But I mean, I, th- this is fine because it's the right kind of spanner. If uh, like Bayern wanted to sign... David Rye, who we mentioned with regards to Arsenal earlier, on loan and then sign him next summer for sort of FFP above board, but gerrymandering purposes. And now he, he's going to Arsenal, so they're going to have to find another goalkeeper. If they need a goalkeeper of that quality and they can't do a kind of loan with an obligation as they were going to do with Rye, are they going to have to go out and spend €40 million Euros on a goalkeeper this window more than they need a striker. What I'm saying is, could that have an impact on the possibility of them doing this deal? Well, they've, they've topped up their transfer fee in the last um, well, the last 12 hours. I think it's going to get signed off today with Sadio Mane going to Saudi Arabia. Sadio Arabia, as it will now become known to headline writers. <laughs> um, uh, at the moment, and I'm, I'm talking, now here is, let me find, this is the thinnest straw I could find to clutch to. Um, I happen to live in, in the Eurozone, so I can tell you that at the moment, the Euro is stronger than it usually is against the pound. Only slightly, but it makes a big difference because these transfers are being um, conducted in Euros, and Sadio Mane's fee, therefore, in pounds looks slightly lower than it should. Um, it doesn't look as impressive. They've got 24, 25 million pounds for Sadio Mane um, by me, so they can add to that. Equally, um, when the Bayern Munich gang gets here um, and, uh, and start making their bidding. It, the, the conversion into pounds that um, Daniel Levy will be doing on his on his wristwatch, he's probably got one of those calculator wristwatches, hasn't he? Um, I'm just checking. Yes, he has. Um, will not look as impressive as he hopes. Can I, can I ask you why, James, without any resistance or pressure, I now see the majority of Spurs fans are either so fed up with it or are saying, look, let's get the money and do what we can with it. They're in the same part of the grief cycle as you find yourself. But it does strike me how manipulable, how malleable we all are, oh, 99% of us, that we've gone from he's not for sale 
to accepting that here come these people with the pret manger wrappers in their rucksacks um, to, to just do the deal. I, I, it's, it's, I, I hate it. Yeah, I hate it. Look, I'm not happy that he's going. I, I, this would be a better solution than him going to Chelsea in a year's time for nothing. I guess that's the thing I'm kind of clinging that's to. A, that's a bogeyman. That's a bogeyman. I'm not sure. I mean, if he was in a Bosman in a year's time, he wouldn't be joining Bayern Munich. There's no way he'd end up going to Bayern Munich in a year's time. And I think Bayern know that, and that's the reason they've kept coming back. That I think they've kind of put a few, kind of set a few noises out, suggesting they'd be confident of getting him for nothing next year. But I don't think they would have come back to it this many times this summer, and ramped up the fears. It seems like they will have done by the time they've made their final offer, if they were confident they could get him for free next summer. I think that's the only reason this is happening, is they know this is their only chance, and they're pretty much unopposed really now. So this is their opportunity. I don't think he'd be going. I don't think he'd go there if it wasn't for that. And then, it, and then, it, then it's only really Real Madrid or Barcelona after that, isn't it? Because it, it seems like he's not interested in PSG, which you can sort of understand. You know, but it, things aren't going especially well there, and going and winning Liga. Uh, you know, as much as that would represent winning the first trophy, isn't really going to move a dial. I don't think. So here, here we go with the old argument. It's not about winning trophies; it's about winning the right trophies, which would happen if Spurs won. You know, the whatever the League Cup is called this season. Um, it, we all, Charlie. Uh, I'm going to. I'm giving you the executioner's axe here, and I realise that it's a, it's a poison chalice. Um, the chances of of him being a Bayern Munich player at the start of the season. Um, I think it's more likely than not at this point. Do do you think? Do you think it's? Do you think it's very very likely though? Well, the, it depends how today's meeting goes, but it's definitely more likely than it's ever been previously like at, n- at no point in 2021 did it get this close for instance um now we're at a point where it's yeah i think it's more likely than not but you know how many how many transfers have we thought were basically done this isn't even in that bracket yet so it is too early to say but i think yeah if if this goes the way most people are thinking it will then yeah, he he will he this transfer will happen. When we recorded ten days ago, I was kind of, I think I was thinking it was like forty percent that he would go in this window, forty percent that he would go on, fifty percent that he would go on a Bosman next summer, and ten percent that he'd end up staying beyond that somehow. Now I would say I'm at sort of eighty percent that he goes in this window, and twenty percent that he ends up signing a new contract. So that has gone up. Right, that's very the chance good. of him staying. <laughs> chance of him playing for us in twenty twenty five, I'd say, are higher now than they were ten days ago. But um, he's going to go, Danny. Yeah, you need to accept it. I, I, you need to join me in the acceptance stage. Let's sign Eze. Let's go to Palace. Let's offer Palace loads of money for Eze and make it fun. We don't need defenders. Sign more midfielders. Well, it, and that takes me on to the the last question about this, and uh, and that is simply that. Okay, let's say he goes there. I've said the words. Um, and I don't blame Kane in all this. Of course, I never do. Uh, I get that. Um, I don't blame Kane. I blame the club for the way they've done this, managed the situation with his contract, and also for the pathetic belief that ninety million pounds, euros, whatever they're going to get, is any use to them in this situation. It simply isn't. Um, will they replace him, Charlie, or will we go down the line? And I've already seen the propaganda, and it is propaganda. Ah. Actually, Richarlison suits Ange Postecoglou's system rather better than Harry Kane. I cannot think of a system. I cannot think of a system where that would be true. But anyway. Brazil's number nine. He's right there. 
just wait, just waiting to uh, to replace hat trick hero in the win over the sailors. Yeah, we haven't talked about the, the rest of the tour or the sailors. Well, we, we got we got sidetracked by um, enormous court cases in the United States <laughs> yeah. and the uh, incoming flights from Munich. This is true. Yeah, I mean, look, they're going to have to do some pretty major surgery on the squad. I mean, a lot of people would say they need to already, but it's a massive, massive rebuild of that area and. You know, I was thinking this because of Kane, all, the only f- strikers they've had to buy in the last close to a decade have been ones to kind of be his understudy or, you know, maybe occasionally play alongside him. But it's, it's Soldado a decade ago is the last time they bought in a really big striker, isn't it? And obviously we know how that turned out. The only one who in my mind was a success was when they bought an alternative to Kane in Lorente. There was just a, di- a different kind of player. And, you know... I'm going back to Amsterdam now. When it when it was needed, um, and of course uh, uh, at the Etihad, it was different. He was an alternative. He yeah, was he was a fine plan B. But I mean, to actually have to go out and buy a first choice striker, it's been a long, long time. I mean, the game's changing though. I don't know whether they would go out and buy a, a striker. As you know, a lot of teams play with a bunch of forwards who rotate, and maybe that's more the model Spurs will move towards. Kane isn't really a, a striker yeah. anyway now, right? He's kind of like yeah. a, a nine and like a half. Sort of false nine who's, who scores the number of goals that a penalty box points. Yeah. Oh, yes, that, which makes him Without them almost in in, unique, absolutely <laughs> irreplaceable and beyond yeah. value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, oh, oh, Danny, I think Harry Kane's a really good player. <laughs> oh, do you? Don't worry. Do you? Yeah. yeah. And do you think the club should hold on to their really good players? If they've got, if they got any pretense to being a... a a big club, to use that expression. Uh, other than other than putting himself in the Super League and charging me a grand for my season ticket, what have they done to suggest they think they're a big club? The, the season ticket prices um, allied to the sale of Kane. Um, those people who are more angry with Enoch, more angry with Daniel Levy than I can bring myself to be, um, it does give them extra, extra fuel. And I've got, I'm not going to be dishonest, um, the summer has been very good for those people. Uh, because it's left people like me who want to take a more nuanced view of the thing with very, very thin ice under my feet. And when you weigh as much as I do, that's the last thing you need. Let's end, if we may. And of course, this may all be immaterial by the time you hear it. Harry Kane may be um, strutting the streets of Munich, clutching his um, his Bayern Munich shirt by this evening. We shall see. Um, one thing I've got, speaking of shirts, I've got to ask you about it, Charlie, because you were there. Um, a fantastic stunt or terribly ill-mannered and deserving um, of a slap around the side of the head. And we do not promote violence on this podcast. You were there for when the uh, the, the journalist, and I first when I first read it, I hoped it was you, held up um, the Bayern Munich Harry Kane shirt in front of Postacoglu, who proved that although he appears as I say, quite an avuncular figure, he can still do that threatening uncle thing very, very well. Yeah, I don't think he is especially avuncular. To me, it was quite a... Um, it was like a good stand-up just putting down a heckler in a really sort of slap-down kind of way. Yeah, it was an amazing moment. Max Schrader, the build reporter, became a sort of scourge of Tottenham with his with his antics. It's sort of been building because... At f- so at first it was James Madison who did he came in he him and Postcog were sat next to each other but Madison did his questions first and Schrader 
uh, asked him something like, oh, you're wearing a strange squad number for this tour, but would the number 10 appeal to you, James? In, you know, in a very Schradery, eyebrow raised kind of way. Classic yeah, Schrader. Yeah, it was all... It the was Schradester, all, the old Schradissimo. <laughs> getting absolutely Schraded. And <laughs> Madison sort of... Uh, yeah, straight batted it. It was like, well, you know, I can't, you know, obviously I know what you're getting at. I can't talk about it. And then, <laughs> and then with Boston Cogdu, he did, he said something. Oh yeah. So he started by saying something like, oh, um, you know, two days ago, you said you're not relaxed about the Kane situation. How are you feeling now? And he was like, well, that was two days ago. Nothing's changed. And he goes, well, I'm German or something. I, it, it was either I'm German or I followed by and something like that. And I, and it was like I'm. I must say I'm getting a little bit excited. And then unveiled this kit and said, "Looks good, no?" It, it was an incredible moment. Like just was he French? <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally surreal. And uh, yeah, Ange sapped him down. And what was good was then they were trying to like move it on onto other people. But Postecoglou wanted to go back at him again, and that's where he said the thing about like, "Oh, you've come all this way for that. You've got your laugh. Worthwhile trip, was it?" But then, but then Schrader was getting sort of mobbed afterwards by local journalists who wanted to take their picture with this shirt and stuff. So, you know, he did get what he came for. He was the man of the moment for a, for a brief time, and then he got banned from the subsequent games, which is quite funny. I, I think that's probably actually ended up being quite a good thing for Postecoglou because it allowed him to kind of go on the front foot a bit, which he hadn't really been able to do before. Yeah, it was perfect. It, it gave it gave it gave him something to rally against, which he hadn't really had before in a situation. Whatever he might have said about it, it was obviously quite difficult and quite frustrating. And to, for, he can't really have a go at Bayern Munich, and obviously he's not going to have a go at Kane. But it gave All the him fans the loved opportunity it, didn't they? To like, they loved him yeah, exactly, slapping yeah. down Schrader. I, I, I hope it's, it's led to um, James, when he's um, commissioning you and guiding you in your, in your storied career, Charlie, saying to you, I don't want you to go to any Spurs po- um, press conference this season in London without at least one prop. <laughs> I want you, Charlie, to become the Schrader of the Spurs press conferences. I mean, you, you've got, you've got, you, you know, we know from this podcast, you've got very good delivery. You've got several languages at your disposal, um, including ancient Greek, which I'm sure Ange will recognise, uh, you know, as mm. an antecedent to his own l- language. Um, I want you to go and do more stunts like this. I think it'd be good. I'm very, very happy to do that. Yeah, presenting shirts right, left, and centre. Shirts, other merch. <laughs> Well, yeah, when Bayern get, can you just be there when Bayern get knocked out of the Champions League? Which is going to happen. But, but Bayern will not win the Champions League before Harry Kane retires. Whoever he's playing for, I, I will say Ooh. that now. Right. He can win as many Bundesliga titles as he wants, and I'm sure he'd win loads. He, he won't win the Champions League. This is... He won't win the Champions the League. The beef reignites, because wasn't it the Bayern Munich Tactics pod that pipped us to the... Before we actually became award-winning, yeah. we were pipped by yeah. a Bayern Munich Tactics pod. So there's been beef there for a while. Maybe Schrader was part of that. Who knows? And they lost that Champions League final against Chelsea as well. The useless mm. bastards. And they lost that, the that Champions League final against Manchester United in the, in the last minute. Yeah. Um, although that, that allowed Terry Sheringham to win something, which was nice. That, but fine. This Schrader character, right. If I, was, if I was a kind of journalist who was going to do mad stunts, I've done some tin pot <laughs> stuff in my career. If I was a, I'd taken a, a stuffed cockerel across London to Victor Banyama's house once. I think it's in my Twitter picture for reasons that I don't Th- really that understand. That wasn't journalism. That was just something personal you were doing, wasn't it? It was just, it was just, like, just between me and yeah. Um He has 148 Twitter followers. And I know this isn't like some social media like dick measuring competition, but 140. If you do a thing like that that gets that much publicity, and you only have 148 Twitter followers afterwards. 
what what's the point? Maybe he's a TikTok sensation. Who knows? Yeah. Well, Matt, yeah, maybe that's true. Um, well, we now know his name is Schrader, and anything weird that happens in the press conferences, it, uh, as it's bound to happen in the course of the next twelve months of the new season, um, we'll 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 put it on the Schrader scale. He's the new Dulux du- dog, isn't he? He's up there with the Dulux dog now. Yeah, so yeah. Spurs unlikely enemies. Yeah, exactly. Since Charlie gives us a slightly reluctant, I think, to turn up, you know, in any kind of cosplay for the. Uh, for, for the press conferences, and which I'm disappointed about, Charlie, but, you know, it's your, it's your life, it's your career. Yeah, apologies for that. But I should confess, Schrader is living rent-free in my head now, so <laughs> he's he served his purpose. So even though he's only got 148 Twitter followers, he's uh, living rent-free in what's presumably, because you live in London, a very expensive um, space indeed. Listen, thank you both. There was a million other things we could get to talk about, but, of course, um, we'll be back on Thursday to talk about those things as well, maybe... Um, the departure of the not-for-sale Harry Kane. We'll see what how that how all that develops. And, of course, during the course of the next season, as Spurs do not have the encumbrance of European football, our Thursday podcast will give us a chance to range um, even more widely and to take, go down tributaries even more obscure um, than we traditionally do here on The View from the Lane. Uh, just to remind you again, uh, the show has its own official home now on Twitter, at VFTL Podcast. And now that we're getting up and running again with the football, if you go over there, um, you'll find, you know, yourself, Charlie, the gang, um, getting more and more involved. And starting this week, we're back to, as I said at the top of the show, our usual scheduled programming twice a week, free to air and available wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. Sign up and make the most of our summer deal right now. That's just $1.99 a month for the 12 months at theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod. Thanks, James. Thanks, Charlie. Thank you all for listening. God bless you all to the next podcast when we'll know whether that number 10 shirt will be available to James Madison or not. The Athletic.